Welcome to Inspirational Living with Shonda Jenkins. Are you ready to rediscover you? On this show, I share stories from my own personal experiences, knowledge from spiritual teachers, mindfulness leaders, and philosophers, guiding people to inner healing, self-discovery, and self-love. If you're tired of feeling stuck in cycles from your subconscious programming, or you feel like your life lacks a sense of purpose, tune in today while I share with you another tip on how you can live a more fulfilling, joyful, and purposeful life. Welcome back to Inspirational Living. I'm your host, Shonda Jenkins, and today I have a special guest. Her name is Malini Dividasi, and she's going to be sharing a little bit about herself, and so let's get into it. Hey, glad to finally have you on my show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh it's it's um, for me to come in your show is like a connection with Greenville and it's really important it's a connection now I I've been wanted to have with the people of Greenville and to be with you is it's um it's an honor yeah very yeah. much oh it's an honor to be with you you guys Malini has the most beautiful aura and I want her to talk about her name because we had a discussion about it. So tell everybody like what your name means and how to pronounce it so that they understand why they need to pronounce it that way. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So um, my name is Malini Davidasi and Malini means a gallon of flower. That's what it is. It's a garland, a mala. You know, some people use mala to chant on mantra yeah. or mala around the neck. So Malini is a garland of flower. And I received that name about 34 years ago when I, I gave my vow of initiation. At that time, I, I gave a vow that for the rest of my life, and I was in my 20s at that time. Oh, wow. <laughs> for the rest of my life, I will do a mantra meditation at least two hours a day. And I will also um, not eat any animals, product, not, not eat meat, that I will uh, not gamble, that I will uh, stay away from um, illicit sex, sexual activities that are not really uh, divine activities. Yeah. And uh, so, and 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 a reframe from any type of intoxication. So in my twenties, I I received initiation, and that initiation I made that vow, and I kept that vow for the last thirty four years, and uh, and it's have been a very purifying life to uh, live my life according to the commitment I made um, to my spiritual practice. And so I received the name Malini, Devidasi. Devi means goddess, and all women are goddess, and Dasi means servant, as our constitutional position is to serve. Earlier we were speaking with Shunda, we we're like, yes, we are not the controller. We are not the controller. And, and if we are, we are thinking we are the controller, life is going to make sure we understand that we are not. We are not in control, even where we try. I have, I, I have a nice anecdote about that because 
part, of course, I'm exhausted now and already it's like a clean life, no intoxication, you know, I don't drink coffee, I don't smoke, I, and I'm a vegetarian diet, and, uh, and I'm a little bit um, health freak, you know, I'm a health freak, I'm always yeah. I'm researching about natural health, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, I know about herbs, I know about supplements, I know about so many modality of uh, natural medicine. So I lived my life thinking that I could control my health. Mm -hmm. I could control my health and, and through my habits, my what I eat, the supplements. And really I had an anti-cancer lifestyle, not lifestyle completely, but at least my diet, the supplement I was taking, there is no way any, like a person like me will have cancer. In fact, my daughter was a nurse. One day she told me, oh, I was not well. And she said, mom, maybe you have cancer. And mm. I responded to her straightforwardly. I said, there is no way I'm never going to have cancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so we all have a tendency like that to think we are in control. I'm I'm going to make million of dollars. I'm going to uh, I'm going to you know be popular or famous or whatever. We we are in illusion that we are in control of our destiny when in fact our destiny is just unfolding. It's called the law of karma. So <laughs> anyway, like I learned my lesson, and there is a story in a, a Veda in a Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the Veda means um, Veda means knowledge. And that's the knowledge, the Veda descend, it's knowledge that descend at the dawn of creation. At the dawn yeah. of creation, at the beginning of creation, the Veda are given and they are like a manual for human being. And if yeah. we follow the Vedas, we know how to live. The, in the Vedas, there is all kind of science. There is as atomic science in the Veda. There is science of fighting. There is, of course, everybody, you know, Ayurveda, the medicine. And there is Kama Sutra. There is everything. It's like a blueprint, like a manual for human being. Like when we buy something like a, a food processor, there is a manual. And so if we want yeah. to optimize using the food processor, we read the manual. So if we want <laughs> to optimize human life, we read the Veda. Anyway, there is, I, I read every day directly from Vedic literature. And there is the cream of the Veda is called, called the Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's stories, many, many, many stories. And there is a story there of a demon. His name is Iranya Kajipu. Iranya means gold and Kajipu means cushion. So he, like, yeah. he likes cushions and he likes gold. <laughs> anyway, he was thinking that he was, he, he did so much austerity and yoga and sacrifice that he could control the universe. And he was thinking that he could be, he could be uh, immortal because we all want immortality. And that's a funny story because I can see that in, in myself wanted to kind of jinx the system that I'm not going to have cancer. There was something like, um, proud about that you know like mm. something not humble and being like okay whatever happened happened and yeah. so Irania Tajipi was very funny because he did a lot of austerity and the, the universe was trembling so the, the the creator of the universe his name is Lord Brahma 
Lord yeah. Brahma came and he said, what's up? He said, you know, you're, you're making a lot of trouble around, so <laughs> let me know what you want. And he said, I want immortality. And Lord Brahma said, well, I cannot give you that because I'm not immortal myself. And so Iranya Kajipu was thinking he was very, very clever and he could jinx the system. Like me, he was thinking <laughs> I could jinx the system. So he said, I don't want you. Okay, so you cannot give me immortality. So can you give me that I don't die during the day or the night? Lord Brahma said, granted. Can you, can you give me that I don't die on the ground or in the sky? And Lord Brahma said, granted. Can you tell me that I don't die um i don't die uh outside of the house or inside the house <laughs> so you, you get it like that he created a situation that he felt because he was superiorly intelligent that now i'm immortal <laughs> but in and he said can you grant me that i'm not killed by a beast or human being <laughs> and so he was granted and then, then that demons, he was, he was torturing his son, and his son was a very devotee. He was a devotee of God. He was such a saintly, pure person, but his father couldn't stand it because his father wanted to be worshipped. He wanted, he wanted to be seen by his son as like the supreme controller of the universe. So he couldn't stand that her son was not accepting him that way. He was saying, no, there is a, there is a superior force, superior than you, dad. <laughs> and, and so he got he got really angry with his son. And so the Supreme Controller came and he came in the form of a half lion and half man. He came <laughs> not during the day, not during the night. He came on the doorstep. And then that's how the demon got killed. So we cannot jinx the system. That's that's the morality of that story. All that to tell you about my name. <laughs> <laughs> So when and you said that when she said that you might have cancer, like what like and you said that basically there's no way I can have cancer. No, of course. What what happened next? Like when do you actually discover that you had cancer? And when did I discover? So that period I had COVID. So it was in 2020, I got COVID and I got long COVID. I was sick for mm. six months. Okay. But because I got sick really early on, there was no testing and testing was very complicated at the beginning of COVID, very mm. complicated. It was not after it became very easy, but uh, those months early, like it was April, 2020, mm -hmm. there was no test. So I was sick and I got tested maybe three weeks after the first symptoms. So I only tested negative. Okay. But I had an elephant sitting on my chest and I was mm -hmm. on oxygen. You know, I found ways to get oxygen. I knew I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't trust that they knew how to heal that disease. I trust, I, I was scared. I was thinking the doctor were killing people. Sorry mm -hmm. about that. But at, yeah. at the very beginning, they made a lot of mistakes that they recognized later on. So I was one of the first, you know, wave of people. And uh, and I was sick. I was quite sick for a good six months. I was weak. Mm. I couldn't breathe. Um, and but, and my daughter was just adamant that I don't have COVID. She said you have cancer. Mm. And so, but I and I, I knew I had COVID, and I recovered from COVID. 
And a month and a half later, that's when I started to get pain. And the pain, um, it took about three months. I, I, I was misdiagnosed a few times, but it, could, it took about three months to kind of went, like figure out what it was. So I was diagnosed with cancer in, in uh, uh, late February of 2021. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, it was a shock. It was a shock. It was scary. It was a shock. It was, it was, it was, and, and the cancer heart was, it was, I was in pain all the time. And mm-hmm. I continued to be in pain, uh, like, and sometimes really, really a lot of pain for uh, another month and a half. And uh, it was, um, it was a very challenging period. I felt uh, it, like after, I understood that no natural treatment. I made research for natural treatment and I, everything I was reading about natural treatment, it's really funny. <laughs> everything I was reading about natural treatment, it was my lifestyle. Oh, you know, vegan, you know, and I was doing juicy. Every, everything I read that was like, oh, that's what you do to cure your cancer. Oh, that's what I'm doing already for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I understood, I understood that that would not work for me. I couldn't believe that, oh, if I do what I've been doing, it's going to change. You know, if you do the same thing, it doesn't change. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, because of my practice and my lifestyle that's really dedicated to uh, to spiritual life and, and, and listening to God and surrendering to God, I often get guidance within me that I don't always understand. And the guidance doesn't always make sense with even my value system. Yeah. However, I got very clear guidance to go to the Western way. Mm-hmm. And that also was sure, like, again, it was like very humbling. Humbling because I didn't even have insurance at the time mm-hmm. because that's how much I was completely staying away from the Western medicine. Oh, like wow. I, I was a little bit extreme <laughs> that I will, I, 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 it, it was something that wasn't part of my lifestyle. Yeah. And so I understood. And so it was shocking to receive kind of uh, intuition, guidance, whatever you want to call it, that I'm supposed to go the Western way. And mm-hmm. then magically um the new president of united states opened the marketplace and i was able to get insurance and get into the system and then i received a combo and which is really heavy combo of chemo and radiation they started chemo and radiation the same day Mm. and and uh, the treatment i got is very violent Mm. so i you know like yeah, I had I had a pump. I was carrying a pump that was constantly putting in a port chemo, and, and my body because my body was so clean. So my clean, you know, I was doing cleansing every month, every year, and you know, my body was so clean to have all of a sudden that level of poison in my system yeah. really shook me. It shook mm-hmm. me. It, it was it was really hellish, hellish. I got burned, I got my brain, I got like I was autistic, I couldn't, anything was overstimulating. It was, 
I was really in hell. And what's amazing, I will say, the most amazing thing during that period, I couldn't eat it, couldn't drink. Everything was, uh, my body wanted to die. My body didn't want to eat or drink or move. So basically, mm. my body was in a dying mode. Oh. But what was amazing is that I did my two hours of meditation every day. Oh, wow. During that hell. And it wasn't like willpower. It wasn't like pushing through. It was, it was just grace. Yeah. It was just grace that, and I had moments where all the, all the pain, all the hell, everything was going away. And I was in complete cloud of stillness. Mm. I remember those moments. And then, and then the, the heaviness would come back. So, so that's, that's when it's happened. And when I, I, I figured it out and, and, um, I know it was part of my journey. I, mm -hmm. I know for the last two years, I felt in my heart, something is coming heavy. I don't know what it is, but something is coming heavy. Mm. But also, according to our spiritual desire, you know, there is, there is um, we have limitation how much work we can do. You know, in Christian theology, it's kind of everything is grace. Mm -hmm. And... So, and also theology, everything is my work. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you know, work as if everything depends on you and pray as if everything de depends on God. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of the two. We want to do what's belong to us, work, internal work, self-realization work that belong to us. And at the same time, we want to pray as if everything depends on the Lord. And I believe that I have high spiritual uh, uh, um desire you know like I, I i really want spiritual life and i believe that there was something in my heart that regardless how much work i was doing on myself constantly you know like introspection and personal growth and like there was something that i couldn't get to mm. that this every situation of the cancer and cancer treatment took away so mm -hmm. it was really a blessing like if I look at the cancer and that period the only emotion I have is gratitude I feel mm -hmm. so grateful so like I, when I came out of it I think like so I was in treatment in, in April and then I stopped the treatment even so it wasn't finished I told the doctor enough I'm done and it was again um strong it was strong all my friends were saying why are you crazy his doctor was saying why are you crazy and inside i knew i was very calm no i'm stopping yeah. and i was very calm and uh, so i stopped and within a few weeks it's um i felt it's hard to describe it's so beautiful that it's really hard to describe but i mm -hmm. feel like i receive a shower of love Mm. Not a love that's um, that um, that human being give between each other. Nothing like that. A love that was so deep and so pure. A love that come and say, "I know you at the core of your being." Mm. And I experienced that for a few months. 
And oh, wow. I felt it was such a gift, such a gift. Yeah. That, that sounds amazing. Like to be able to take that experience and gain gratitude from that, like, like how do you teach someone that is like going through something, say, you know, a lot of people we and I'll just go and speak to majority of the population, they go through the day-to-day things of they got to go to work. Someone might cut them off on a row or situations with work happen or relationships. And they just feel like they just going through so much and you're going through something from, from your health. And you like, I was doing the stuff to take care of my body when I was researching what to do when I got it, it was telling me to do everything I was already doing and to be able to go through that and continue to do your meditation. How do you teach someone else that how to stay in gratitude or even to stay above the water when they feel like they're drowning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, have like, you know, I'm a missionary at art and I want to save the world. <laughs> but it's not up to me. But I, I do have that uh, yearning inside of me to really save the world, to uh, support human being, humankind, to, uh, to, to, to be fulfilled and satisfied. And the most painful thing for me to see is not pain. Mm. It's pain that is in vain. Mm. And explain that I can deal with, with pain. And I, that's what I've done most of my life. You know, I, 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 I fast, for the last 20 years, I have facilitated thousands of individuals to connect with that part of themselves that nothing can touch. The part of themselves that cannot be cut, that cannot be, um, that, that, that cannot suffer, that, that part of themselves that immovable, eternal, full of bliss, full of knowledge. So I, I, that's what I've done the last 20 years intensively. I travel the world and I do also individual work. And so, yeah, the, the, to see people suffering with no, in vain, I say in vain, because our suffering is there to help us. Every mm. suffering is a gift. I sometimes give an analogy. Let's say there is a fire in front of me and I put my hand in a fire and experience burn. It burns my finger and I can curse at the burn or I can say, thank you, burn. Because if that burn wasn't there, what will happen? Mm. I will lose my hand. Mm. I will lose my hand. My hand will be completely, you know, calcified or coming to, you know, become like uh, um, cut off my body and I will not feel anything and I will not have a hand to to use anymore. So the suffering that come with the burn is a signal that you hand out. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. it's a blessing. And we want to be grateful for the sensation of burning. Mm. So similarly, when we live life, there is things that are triggering us, things that brings pain. There are painful things like disease 
war. I'm, I'm, I'm in contact with people from Ukraine who, you know, they suffer a lot. It's mm-hmm. like suffering that's almost inconceivable. You know, one day you're in a nice city like Greenville and you walk your dog or you're with your children, you go to the park and the same city the next day can be bombed and disappeared. Mm. Yeah. And that's how it was in Ukraine. Ukrainian now living like us, you know, and that's, and, um, and at the same time, even so it's so intense, inconceivable, so inhuman situation, still there is a way to be with people, to really meet there where they are at. Like it's said that a devotee of the Lord, I will use uh, Sanskrit words, is paradukaduki. That if we are able to feel the pain of others and people feel received in their pain, Mm. they learn to grow from their pain too. So by receiving people. So the first thing is usually people don't care what we know until they know that we care. So the first thing when we are in contact with people who suffer is to show empathy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really understand it was very painful for you. It's, it's so scary what's happened to you. And when the soul is received, it expands. And our mm-hmm. consciousness expands, our awareness expands, and the spirit expands. Ananda, Buddhivadana, the, the, the nature of spirit is to constantly expand. So through our life, our life is always a blessing. Mm. Uh, life is benevolent and only benevolent because God is benevolent and only benevolent. And it doesn't look benevolent from the platform of duality. Yes. Right and wrong, black, you know, right, or like, you know, like that. But mm. if we step out of the platform of duality, then we are in a realm of expansion, self-realization, seeing everything as a gift. Mm. However, it's not something that can happen artificially. For people to receive that gift, like they first need to be received in their pain. Mm. On that reception from being received in their pain, then there is expansion. Mm. Did I respond to your question? Yes. Do Do you think a lot of that, those feelings have something to do with control? Control, yeah. Completely. It's, it's all about control, not accepting that there is a supreme controller. When we have a hurricane passing over, we are not going to control it. No, no, no matter what it is, we are not going to control it. Obviously, we are not in control. So as soon as we are trying to control, we are controlled by what we are trying to control. Mm-hmm. You know, what we are trying to control is controlling us. Mm-hmm. So yes. So yes, it, it, it all have to do to, to be like thinking that we are the controller, thinking that we are we are we are powerful when in fact you know we can not we don't even know what's happened for us to digest our food. Mm. You know, we don't know what next will come. And you know, like this this body has more potential for suffering than happiness, really. The the physical body. Because we are not this body, we are spirit soul. We are yeah. spirit soul, like Théard Derjada is a, um, a Christian philosopher, a French Christian philosopher. He says that we are not, we are not human beings having spiritual experience. 
he said we are spiritual being having a human experience mm -hmm. so if we are spiritual being having a human experience in that human experience everything is benevolent everything is there to teach us mm -hmm. and to 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 come to that place of really understanding that i'm a spirit soul and i have that human experience and within that human experience everything has the capacity to move me forward. And my cancer is the best thing that's happened to me the last at least 10 years and probably more. Mm. Uh, so this year, wow. This year I lost two people. So how do you talk, how do you help someone that can find or try to figure out like, what that experience is teaching now. Like I read, you know, impermanence last year. And I think that was also preparing me for what happened this year. And so someone who say, I lost somebody, like, I can't deal with this. Like, you know, how do I continue to find gratitude if I just lost someone close to me? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not an artificial process. It mm -hmm. is a process, it's not an event. Mm -hmm. So that process, you know, part of it is a grieving process to really have the person and you, you know, like to be understood, to be received with your pain, to be, to, uh, to be cradled in your pain and to be able to um, um, emote and and uh, um, allow, allow um, to experience your experience. As long as we resist, whatever we resist persists. So mm. to, to experience the grief, to experience the sadness, to experience the anger that be, uh, accompanies that. I do a lot of um, um, a, a, a grieving co coaching. And what's interesting is that the first a layer of emotion that prevents the grieving is guilt. There mm. is somewhere I always find guilt. When people are really clean with the people who left their body, you know, like the, the, the souls that departed, it's a lot easier to grieve. But most of us, we are not like that. Maybe we had a, some kind of arguments, maybe we had. We didn't, you know, like if someone very dear, but then we were frustrated with that person because that shortcoming or something. And then they leave and then all that will come, oh, the times that are lost or, you know, how did I speak, think so negatively about that person, you know, all those things. So that's, it's a layer that needs to be taken care of. And then, then beneath that, usually there is anger. And then there is so many emotion. And those emotions need to be experienced. It's like we are spiritual having a human experience. We cannot um, jump over. We mm -hmm. cannot shortcut. We don't need to shortcut. We need to experience. I did experience hell during the chemo and radiation. I'm not saying it was, I was joyful or anything. I yeah. was in hell. There was no doubt I was in hell. And I was thinking, if there is hell, I cannot imagine it's worse than that. That's what I was thinking. I cannot imagine that hell is worse than that. It's not like I was in heaven. I was in hell. 
So it's it, we ask it sort of in a human experience. We don't want to skip it. Mm. We, we need, need to experience it. We need to experience it, experiencing all the layers of emotion. And there is usually when we lose someone, when someone departs that's very dear to us, there is many layers. I remember once, um, I remember once um, there was a, a, a friend, a friend, she, a, a long-term friend, um, a husband killed himself mm. in, in, the, in his room. She was outside hanging uh, uh, the laundry. She was outside. She held the gun. She came in. She enters the room. There was brain cell all over. Oh. So that it's quite traumatic. And she was so traumatic that she was so traumatized that nothing happened to her. And, and then the community, the community around her, they were so traumatized that kind of they don't they didn't really want to deal with it that's what mm -hmm. people do when someone have really something difficult going on in their life we want to chill them up we want to reassure them we want to change their mind we want to tell them you know like it's okay no, it, you, you're going to be okay don't worry you're going to be okay but that's mm -hmm. not the truth mm -hmm. so i took that friend and we went to the spring i took her in nature and I started to speak with her. And then the first thing that came is anger. And then, and then she cried and then she felt the guilt and all that. And all of a sudden it was finally coming out and it was like two weeks later. And it was all coming out, all coming out because she had bottled it up because there was no space. There was no space and nobody wanted to be with her. And so it's about having the courage to jump in with people in their darkness and to hold their hands there, not trying to pull them out, mm. just be with them there in the darkness. And why having our, our feet on the ground? I'm with you in, in, in a well and then my, my feet is on the ground. Mm. And I'm going to be with you and get, I'm going to, to be fully because as long as we are around people who suffer like that and <laughs> I don't want to suffer, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're scared of it. Most people are scared of other people's uh, uh, um, trauma. Yeah. And as long as we are scared, we are not able to make a space for others. So it's about having the courage to dive with them, to be with them, to see the world from their perspective, to experience their experience. And from that, release happen and when release happen the the, the spirit ananda buddhivananam expand and then little by little the person step out and i know that friend that happened about i will say 12 years ago mm. and recently i saw that friend she said she still remember she still remembers that that conversation starting her healing before that there was no healing possible as long mm. as it was like you will be okay. I'm mm. here. I'm your friend. I'm here. Let's go to the movie. Let's do something else. Let's not speak about it. That doesn't. Mm. But then, as the, the, the as we as people feel received, as people feel understood, as people feel like someone is with me, and that that spirit expands, 
then little by little alternate perspective comes and see, I can see this is part of my journey. I can see how it really match something in me that wanted more and come into that place of gratitude. Mm. And again, it's not an artificial process. It's not something that can be artificially imposed on someone. Mm -hmm. You got to let them go through that whole process. And because I think that's what, that's really what happens is like, you know, people naturally go into that, oh, it's going to be okay. But so it's like, if you're getting these things, then it's not allowing you to really think like, am I what, am what I'm experiencing? Should I be feeling angry? Should I be feeling sad? Exactly. And you start to question, should you be feeling this way? And to me, I feel like then that makes even worse. So then you're suffering two times. Mm -hmm. You're suffering from the loss and now you're suffering because now you're questioning, should you have these feelings? Yeah. Yeah. And then instead of having your back, and being strong with yourself and feeling strong in yourself, then you're eating up at your self-worth. So not mm -hmm. only you have, you know, you lost someone or you, some trauma is happening, that's very difficult to face. But because of the second guessing, because of not, not acknowledging what's really there or judging oneself, then there is an additional pain of not feeling good about myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trusting my process. Mm. So by having someone around and say, go, your, your process is perfect. No mistake in the universe. There is no mistake in the universe. This is for you. This is yours. This is your gift. It's painful. And I'm going to be with you. It, mm. It's so hard. You're so angry. You're in disbelief. You feel lost. You feel confused. Whatever it is. Mm. Oh, I felt that. No, that's beautiful. Because I, I think that what really helped me be there for people that have lost people are to even be able to be there for family. Because, you know, natural thing is to go into the, to the kind of not really talk about that phase. But it's really important to talk about that and allow someone to actually grieve and, and let them know like the feelings you feel are important and they're valid and scream if you need to like let it out do not let it stay in yeah. Yeah. you know I never heard anybody say it so beautiful <laughs> so you definitely share that was so beautiful like I, I definitely are going to be helping because some of my family like we all lost the same people so yeah. um, I think it's going to be very beneficial for me to have this knowledge to be able to mm -hmm. talk to them and be there for them even more yeah to really dive with with them and you know allow them to dive with you into all the layers of the human experience yeah yeah it's really difficult you know it's not our nature our nature is not to be uncaged in those bodies. Our nature is not to be, you know, in this world of duality of, you know, pain and, you know, miseries. And so we don't belong here. And uh, at the same time, being here is very, very painful. 
very difficult, very challenging. If I look back at my life, honestly, require honesty. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was mostly challenges, difficulties, pain. Like I was saying earlier, this body has so much potential for pain. Let's say if I take a, a square millimeter here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how much pleasure can I get from that square millimeter? Yeah, I can rub it this way. Yeah, yeah some there's some pleasure. But here, the potential for pain is only a, 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 almost unlimited. I could be burned, I could be, I could be stabbed, I could the, the pain that I could receive from that little point on my body mm-hmm. is unlimited. While the amount of pleasure I can receive from that same point is extremely limited. Mm. So this is the material existence as long as we are in this material body. It's unlimited amount of suffering and very limited amount of pleasure. While our nature, the spiritual nature, is unlimited amount of pleasure and no pain. Mm. Because our nature is sat, chit, ananda, according to the Veda. Sat means eternal, chit means full of knowledge. We have knowledge within our heart. And ananda means blissful. We are naturally blissful. That's yeah. our birthright to be blissful. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And, and you share a lot about the, the Vedas. The Veda. The Vedas. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to share um, the audience kind of like what are some of those um, that could be beneficial for them? I know all of them are beneficial because <laughs> I studied them. What is something you feel like? Yeah, like, all of them are beneficial, but not all, all of them have the same goal. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, there is in the Veda, there is a knowledge of military art. <laughs> not that interesting <laughs> and uh, so the and the veda it said in the bhagavad gita huh, i have a bhagavad gita here oh yeah, yeah talk about bhagavad yeah i'm, I'm a student of bhagavad gita for 34 years yeah I, I actually read it yeah right. yeah so i have read it I, I read it again and again and again and i, I read it uh probably i don't know 12 times cover to cover <laughs> And uh, a few days ago, I, I read all the verses cover to, uh, cover to cover. But there is a verse uh, in the 15th chapter, which is um, the yoga. The yoga of the supreme person is the 15th chapter. And the 15th verse, it said, I am, I am seated in everyone's heart. So God is in our heart. Yeah. And he said, and from me come remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. Unless by all the Vedas, I am to be known. Indeed, I am the compiler of Vedanta and I am the knower of the Veda. So the, 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 the essence of the Veda is to know God. Mm. And everything in a, in a Veda, there is organization of society. And the society is created on every level. Everything, the goal of society is to go back to Godhead, to go back to our spiritual, original, mm. constitutional position. 
So unfortunately, the Western society have lost a sense of goal. Like if I was to ask anyone, like what's the goal of the government? Mm. What's their purpose? What are they supposed to do? Mm. Where are they guiding humanity? Mm. I don't think there is much response to that. Oh, to have more TVs? Mm. Yeah. To have more power to buy all what Chinese people are making in their concentration camp? Mm. You know, it's just, if, you, if we look at it, it's not very attractive. No. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's it. The beginning of spiritual life and the beginning of Vedanta Sutra. Vedanta Sutra is the, the sutras, sutras, shops, um, mantras. So yeah. the Vedanta Sutra, the first aphorism of the Vedanta Sutra, do you know what it is? What is it? It's a Atato Brahma Vigyasa. It's a now that we have attained the human form of life, now is the time to inquire. So spiritual life and even human life start with inquiry. What are those inquiries? Inquiry about who am I? Mm. Because right now I'm Malini Devidasi. But will I be Malini Devidasi in 60 years from now? Was I Malini Devidasi 70 years ago? Or 100 years ago? So who am I if I wasn't? <laughs> who am I? Am I that five-year-old body, that or 10-year-old body that I used to be? No, not one cell in my body have anything to do with that five-year-old body. So who am I if I'm not this body? So Vedanta Sutra like, push us to inquire, who am I? What is the purpose of human life? Mm. Is it to like, try to enjoy and mostly be frustrated because we cannot enjoy with this material body and then dwindle and experience like old age and be so frustrated in old age because I cannot enjoy anymore and die. Mm. You know that in the difference between spiritual society and material society is very seen in old age. In spiritual society, old people are assets. They are the wise woman, the wise man, they are asset because they can guide the entire society. In a, in a materialist society, old people are burdened. Something mm. to hide away in houses, something to not see in the street, something to, to, to be burdened by because it costs so much money. Mm. That's one difference, but there is, of course, there is way more, but that's one that's obvious. A difference between a really, truly spiritual society. And also within, within a spiritual society, death become a motivator. What is the duty of someone who is about to die? A mm. few days ago, I made a video and I was speaking about, imagine that I give you a baby. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I give you a baby and you don't know anything about that child. You don't know who the parents are. 
you don't know, you know, like the economic uh, situation in which the baby is born. You don't know the culture. You don't know anything with the baby. There is only one thing that you can know for certain about this baby. You know what it is? Only one thing um, that you can know for certain. This baby, I guess the one thing you can know is that, I guess like, that is worthy. The baby is worthy, of course, of existence, yeah. And when it comes to what will happen to that baby, we don't know anything. Maybe that baby no. will be rich or not rich. Maybe it will be capable or not capable. Maybe it's going to be successful or not successful, famous or not famous. It's going to be beautiful or not. Sometimes people like babies are very beautiful, but when they grow up, they are not very attractive. Or vice versa, some babies are really ugly, but they grow up, they are very attractive. So... <laughs> We don't know anything that's going to happen to that baby with certainty. But there is one thing we know with certainty, that baby is going to die. Mm. For sure, death is certain. Death, the death rate is 100%, no doubt. So if that's one thing, one thing we know for certain, for sure, seeing any baby, any person, why is it that it's not in the forefront of our life? Mm. Why is it that that event that is sure to happen is not part of our life and of like, what is the responsibility? What is the duty of someone who is about to die? And the mm. Srimad Bhagavatam, which is considered the, the, the cream of the Veda, starts with that. It's, it's a book. Oh, it's really a series of books. <laughs> you know, like for me to go over it and I read every day, it takes about two years and a half to read through the Srimad Bhagavatam. And oh, wow. to read it again and again. And, um, and that's, the, 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 that's the point. The whole Srimad Bhagavatam, the, the, the scene is set by a king who, have, who, who is cursed to die in seven days. And so he goes, he goes and he goes sit in meditation on the, on the bank of the Ganges River. And he sits in meditation with like desiring to understand. And at that time, sages from all over the universe, because sages, they have a second sense, you know, they all gathered from the Himalayan mountain. They come from the east, the west, from everywhere. They come all around the sage around the king, all those sages, and they start sitting. And then there is a young man, like we see, have nothing to do. A young man that came all naked, is all naked. And when he mm -hmm. arrives, all the sages bow before him because they know he's going to be the speaker of the Bhagavatam. And when he arrives, the king asked, asked him one question. He said, please, sage, instruct me about what is the duty of someone who is about to die. Mm. And we are all about to die. We don't mm. know. We don't know if we are going to die today, tomorrow, in 10 years, maybe 30. We don't know. But what we know, if we are going to die. So we may as well inquire. So that's the, the, um, the essence of the Veda, is to know, to, uh, to help us first 
coming to a place of inquiry. Human life starts with inquiry because mm -hmm. before that, it's animal life. Animal life is described by eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And as long as our life is centered around those four occupations, then we are like animals. Maybe instead mm. of eating from the ground, we eat in beautiful plates or in a fancy restaurant, but the activity is the same. You know, mm. maybe instead of having sex in the street or in the woods, we have sex in a penthouse or whatever. You know, yeah. like, and instead of sleeping on the ground, we sleep in a beautiful bed and bedroom and houses. But activity, it's basically sophisticated animal life. As long as mm. I aim at those four activities, it's just sophisticated. And what differentiates animal life from human life is that ability to inquire, that ability mm. to be philosophical that ability to, to really be with those questions, what is the purpose of my life? Mm. Why am I born? What is here? What, what am I here to learn? What is that school that I'm thrown into? And at that school, everything is positive. Mm. It's just our vision that makes us see the duality of good and bad. Mm. So with the inquiry, that was, that was, that was powerful, <laughs> by the way, with the inquiry and being able to do that, do you think that is why we, we suffer so much? And I'm just speaking, when I say we, I'm speaking majority of the collective. Do you think that is why we suffer is because we don't know why we're here? We suffer because we don't know what we are here. And um, the suffering, the happiness and distress, they, they are coming as a result of our past activities too. Because mm -hmm. some people suffer a lot whilst the other people don't suffer. And a lot of people turn away from God because of a lack of understanding of that. You know, there is that saying like, how come, you know, like bad things happen to good people? Not mm -hmm. understanding that we are the creator of our suffering. And we mm -hmm. can, you know, that's the law of karma. You know, there, mm -hmm. there is a verse from the Bhagavad Gita. You want a verse from the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to quote Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> Because this is one of my favorite verses. It's from the 13th chapter. So suffering, people are suffering from their own karma, basically. Yeah, yeah. happiness and distress. In the, in, the, in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, it said, Matras Parsas to Kontea. It said, like, happiness and distress come and go like winter and summer season. One should just learn to learn to tolerate them. Mm. Because we cannot control. Like I remember as a young woman, a young person, before I made my vows, I remember being in high school and thinking Friday night is a night. Friday night, something is going to happen. I will meet something extraordinary or someone <laughs> extraordinary and something special will happen or maybe I will take something, you know, something is going to be. And so Friday night was a lot of anticipation. 
And then Friday night would come and then it would go and then nothing mm. would have happened. But then I would wake up in the morning on Saturday and think, tonight is a night, isn't it? <laughs> tonight something is not going to happen. I'm going to meet that person. I'm going to have that experience. I'm going something extraordinary and I will be so happy and, and, mm. and blissful ever after, you know, like that, like Walt Disney's movies. <laughs> And then Saturday night will come and he will go. Mm. And maybe I will have some satisfaction, maybe a lot of frustration, maybe a lot of disappointment. And that's life, like Friday night and Saturday night, because happiness and distress, they come and on their own accord. We don't call for distress. We call, don't call for distress. Oh, today I want to be miserable. Oh, today I want <laughs> to break my leg, isn't it? We don't call for distress. But we are convinced that we can call for happiness and it doesn't work mm. because happiness and distress they come and go like winter and summer season and we just need to tolerate them. So mm. my verse, <laughs> go for the verse because he responds so nicely to your question. So it's from the chapter called Nature, the Enjoyer and Consciousness. It's a 13 chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And he said, nature is said, to be the cause of all material activities and effects, whereas the living entity, that's us, is the cause of the various sufferings and enjoyment in this world. So we don't cause our enjoyment by our activities, but we are the cause of our enjoyment. And mm -hmm. we are also the cause of our happiness. Yes? Yeah. Because there is karma here. Let's say that if there was no karma mean action and reaction. Yeah. If tonight yeah. I decide I'm going to eat a gallon of ice cream, for example, <laughs> tomorrow I will have a bellyache. Tomorrow yeah. I get up, I will have a headache, a bellyache. I will feel fuzzy all day. So it's, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair that <laughs> I should feel the bellyache. It's not fair I should have a, a, a headache. What? You, you ate a gallon of ice cream last night. <laughs> and, it, and it all just comes back to us trying to do things and control the outcome and not really get the re repercussions. <laughs> really try, we, we try to control. We are in illusion of control because we don't have real control, but we are in illusion like, oh, I can control the outcome. I can, I can create, but you know, I, I, happiness come, you know, so many times, you know, we, we may feel happy, like, I feel happy, I don't know why, no reason. And of course, when, when we do elevate ourselves, because there, there is a spiritual energy, we are spiritual by nature. So when we tap into that nat natural part of us, then, then that eternally blissful state is available to us, even in this lifetime. We don't need to, to wait until the end of life to, to experience our spiritual nature. What would you say to someone that, um, that, that wants to start experiencing, experiencing you know, a more blissful life and, and really just being more spiritual? Like, how would you, what would you tell them to get started? Okay, like someone who is like feeling like, okay, I'm tired of material life. Mm. I really want to know who I am at the core. I really want to know what's that life about. And I know there is a different dimension and I want to tap into that. 
Yes. The first thing I will do is to be with them, you know, to be with them and listen. Because 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 our nature is to be cheat, knowledge. So we have the knowledge inside. So I will trust their process. And I will trust that they have the response to their question within themselves. So that's the first thing I will do. I will listen very, very carefully. And, and often when I'm in that place of being with someone, then I hear that knowledge. I hear that deep knowledge that they, they didn't even know was there. But because of the, the sacred space that we create, then they tap into it. Yeah, I know. I know I don't belong here. Yeah. I know I always had that feeling from the time I was a child. Yeah. Yeah, and I will, I will probably be with them. Yes, that's true. We don't belong here. It's like being in the material world is like a fish being out of water. This is mm. not where we belong. The fish is yearning for the ocean and we are yearning from this, for the spiritual consciousness, the spiritual world. We are yearning for that eternal relationship of love with God. And we can experience it in this lifetime. And, and I will ask them, okay, well, what's the process? What's the process? You know, I, I can give process. I have process that works, but also other people may have their own process. Prayers. There is, in the Veda, it describes there is nine processes of devotional service to uncover. And the, the two first is hearing and chanting. So one, one um, process that goes parallel is the process of cleansing the, the heart because our heart, we are conditioned soul, we are conditioned by the material atmosphere. And even it's not natural to be, to be in the material atmosphere, we are conditioned and we identified with it. So one of the first steps to make progress in spiritual life is to start the purification process. Mm. And Cheto Dharpanam Marjanam Mahabhavanam Davagni Nirvapanam Shreya Karyavad Chandrika Vyatanam Vidyavadu Jivanam Ananda Buddhivadanam Patitanam Punam Nitaswadanam Savatmas Napanam Param Vijayati Shri Krishna Sankirtanam. So this verse said um, um, that by chanting the name of the Lord, in a Bible, the name of the Lord is glorified a lot. In a Quran, there is a lot of um, Muslim sect. They, that's all they do all day. They, they, they chant the name of Allah. And mm. in, in, of course, in Aveda, we, we, we get a lot of names, Krishna, uh, Govinda, and you know, uh, uh, Krishna, Govinda, Keshava, and, uh, and Rama. <laughs> so many names in Aveda. And in yeah. the Bible, Adonai, Elohim, Elohim, Yoshua, there's so many names. So we God has many, many names, Nam Namakauda, uh, Nijar Shava Shakti. We have thousands of names, and all his names are spiritual, they are transcendental in themselves. So if we want to tap into our transcendence, we need to connect with transcendence, the spiritual world. And the easiest way to do that is by connecting with God, because mm -hmm. he's the source of, of this material world. Aham Sarva Pavatati. It's like the first uh, a verse in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, I say, I am the source of the material and spiritual world. So we want to connect with that source. And the best mm -hmm. way to connect with that source is to chant, chant the name of God. 
And by chanting the name of God, we connect with God. But there is also Chetonarpana. There is, um, by chanting the name of God, our hearts become purified mm-hmm. from, from all the dust because for we accumulate dust in our mind and in our heart. Even, you know, like our mind is so conditioned and so contaminated. I see like my life is free of cinema or movies. I'm a monk, so I, I'm not in a world. So, but let's <laughs> say I go somewhere, I go somewhere and I, you know, like I, I see something that's mundane and materialistic or, you know, romance. And I can see that my mind, the next day when I do my meditation, this thing is going to come to my mind. It's not, yeah. it's, going, it's like our mind is like a sponge. It's absorbed and it gives us back everything. So, you know, like be conscious what we are exposing ourselves to. Mm. And, and through the process of, of pra- uh, praising the Lord, hallelujah, ch- chanting the name of God, whatever name we choose, if we don't have a name, you can ask me, I will give you names of God and mantras to chant that are very, very, very powerful. And, and then we get that cleansing effect of all the dirt accumulated for years. And also inside our heart, we have that fire burning, fires that want to control, fires that want to achieve, fires that want to, to uh, you know, that burn us to, to, to the ground. And that fire is of perpetual births and deaths and births and deaths. And to chanting the name of the Lord, we extinguish that fire little by little. And mm-hmm. then we are, we are able to test um, transcendence and, and to really uh, bring the, the cooling of the moon inside our heart. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, like if I was to meet someone, I will meet them where they are at. What mm-hmm. in where they're at, maybe they like praying. So I'll say, increase your prayer. And I can give you some prayer if you want. And I will, I will say, okay, well, like worshiping, going, you know, going to the mosque, going to the church, going to the temple. Create a sanctuary in nature. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you like to share that you feel like could be helpful for my listeners? You have shared so much knowledge. Like, I just am enjoying this experience with you. Um, Is there anything else that you feel like you want to leave us with? And and I want to, I want to see, can you chant, can we chant something at the end? Yeah. Okay. Would you like to to chant a mantra? Yeah, we can chant a mantra. There is, in the Vedas, there is many, many mantras, and all of them are powerful. Most of them start with the syllable Om. And and most of those mantras, though, they are are very, very specific and to to, uh, uh, derive the benefit from those mantras and perfect those mantras, you need a specific situation, like sit on the Kusha grass, you need to fast east. You oh, need yeah, to be in a quiet place. You need to be in nature. You know, there is all those conditions. And without those conditions, those mantras have, you know, like are um, weakened. And it's mm. very, very difficult to get benefit. However, in the Veda, there is one mantra 
That's called the universal mantra. That's called the Maha mantra, the great mantra for deliverance. And that mantra is said to be um, the song of the soul. And that's the mantra I sing and I chant two or three hours a day, every single day. I, wow. sing, I play harmonium, you know, I play kirtan. And that's, that's something I do every day. I play kirtan on my harmonium. But I also chant on beats. Mm. My beats are not here. Anyway, I chant on beats, you know, like, like um, in the Catholic Church, there is a rosary. So yes. I, have, I have a mala. It's called a mala. It's beats. And I chant the Maha Mantra. And the Maha Mantra is made of three words. The one word okay. is Hare. And Hare yes. means the feminine aspect of God. In Sanskrit. In Sanskrit, Hare. Hare. Yes. How you spell it? <laughs> I'm going to chat. Okay. Hare. Okay, Hare. 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 Okay. okay. And so Hare, it's, it's energy of God. Everything okay. is the energy of God, and it's a feminine aspect of God. So we are calling on the feminine aspect of God, the energy of God to come upon us. Okay. And it's, the second word is Krishna. 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 Or maybe K-R-I-S. Yeah. yeah. I, I know Krishna. That's from... No, uh... Krishna. Okay. <laughs> so Krishna, do you know what Krishna means? Krishna means the all attractive one. You know, it's Sanskrit. Like, you know, I, I'm always amused because people, you know, like in Christianity, it seems in America more than anywhere else in the world, there is a sense that Christ was American or something like that. But Christ spoke Hebrew and he comes from Palestine. So some people say, why are you following an, a, a religion? I'm not, I'm, I don't follow a religion, but that's the interpretation that I'm following a religion. But why are you following a religion coming from India? And I want to say, why are you following a religion that comes from Palestine? <laughs> and you know that in a, in, a, in the language, in Hebrew language, there is no J. There is no J sound. So for oh, wow. sure, that person that's the savior, and I'm very, very close to Lord, you know, Christ. Uh -huh. His name was not Jesus. <laughs> 100 percent because the letter J doesn't exist in Hebrew language. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> so his name is Yoshua. Yeshua? Oh, wow. Yeah. His name is Yeshua. Jesus doesn't exist. Nobody can go to any village or any place. It, it's a, it doesn't exist in a language. So it's, it's unfortunate. And, uh, and I think it's really important to ask ourselves those questions, you know. Mm. And, and, and myself, I, I, I'm a way better Christian since I started my study of the Veda. My love mm. for Christ, my surrender to Christ, my admiration for Christ, my wanting to follow in his footsteps, I've increased thousand times since mm. studying the Bhagavad Gita. Wow. So Krishna, um, Christos, Krishna, Christos, Krishna, is the same root because really um, uh, Hebrew and Greek and Latin, they come from Sanskrit. So Krishna means the most attractive one, the attraction, the word attraction, the 
traction. So, you know, like we all are attractive, you know, you have, you have, I think you are very attractive in your intelligence and, in your, <laughs> you know, and your smile. And we all have an attractive potency. But the one who have, who is attractive by everyone, who have also attractive potency is Krishna, God, Krishna. <laughs> is that a perfect name for God? The most yeah. attractive one. <laughs> and then the last word of the mantra is Rama. Right. And Rama, okay. the word Rama means the reservoir of all pleasure. So in order to feel pleasure, we need to plug in the reservoir of all pleasure. Okay. Like if I'm thirsty, I need to plug in a reservoir of water. I can dig, I can go in the desert and dig. Sometimes I, 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 sit, I say to people, material life is like being in the desert and digging everywhere, thinking there is water. And making hole and some people climb trees and some people suck leaves some people they do so many things to get water and sometimes they get a drop but mm. just behind them there is a cistern of water and nobody goes to it oh wow so that's like that when in a, if we try to find happiness to to the contact of the senses with the sense object to 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 digging holes everywhere to, to try to control the material energy, we are, we are going to get drops sometime. But the reservoir of all happiness, the reservoir of all pressure is Rama. And when we chant the name of Ram, we connect with that inner happiness. So mm -hmm. the mantra is, is um, 12 syllable and I'm going to write it for you. Maybe you know it already, the mantra. So the mantra is Are Krishna, Are Krishna, 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 Hare, Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. So what I'm saying to people is maybe you have a mantra already. Maybe you know a mantra from the Bible of the Quran. Do that. Chant it more. Spend time with the name of the Lord that you know. If you don't have name for God, then here are some names that are very powerful and try it on. Try it on like, you know, like this mantra I say, Nam Nam Akari Bauda Nijat Sharva Shakti Tatra Pitani Maita Smarene Nakala Itadwisita Vakipa Bhagavan Bhavati Durdaivan Idrisha Iya Jani Nanuraga means there is no rule and regulation to change mm. this mantra. No, all the other mantras, there is rule and regulation. So that means you can chant, it's a universal mantra. You can chant it when you walk. You can chant it when you go shopping. I, I, you know, like I'm never frustrated if I'm in a traffic jam. Because I chant. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm at the post office and I wait online, I chant. There is never a lose, like time is with God. So I, if, if I have a last message to people listening, is try it on. Take it for, for a week. Try it on and see the effect. I don't need to tell you. The, the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, if you test the pudding, you will know how it tastes. To not to reject the pudding because it looks strange, you know, it's like English puddings that you look green and maybe it's strange. You won't <laughs> never know the taste of it. So try yeah. it on, you know, like try it on. Take on this mantra. I'm going to repeat it for pronunciation. So again, Hari is a feminine energy of God and Krishna means all attractive one and Rama means a reservoir of all pleasure. And I chant this mantra at least two hours a day, usually one hour sitting and breathing and another hour usually uh, taking a walk. And I chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So that full chant is a prayer. Please engage me in your service. Please mm. allow me to surrender and be an instrument of your peace. Wow. That is beautiful. I have really enjoyed our time together. This has been amazing. I'm definitely going to be putting that in the show notes so they can have it. They can they can chant it. And they can come back and listen to this. Oh my God. Like this has been such a gift for me. Um, I love our time together. And I'm so grateful for you taking time out of your day to be here with me. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want, you can give my contact information. I'm I'm here to serve. I, I'm I'm not here to take anything from anyone. I'm here to serve. I, I really want to make my life count by making a difference in other people's life. Yeah, I definitely, I will be putting all of Malini information in the show notes below. You can reach out to her on her social channels. Um, whatever contact information she have, I'm definitely going to put it down below because you do want to, like this woman is amazing. So you do want to reach out to her and, and really connect um, thank you again. <laughs> this is really has been such a treat. Oh my God. Hope you guys have enjoyed your experience today and that you gained so much knowledge from everything that Malini has shared today. And I hope that you take that mantra and that you chant it and that you come back to this video and you say, I did it. <laughs> And just let us know how it go. Try it out for 30 days and really share about your experience. You can reach out to her. You can reach out to me. Um, also, share this with someone. If you feel like this has been beneficial for your life, share this episode with someone else. Because remember, sharing is caring. And that's kind of how we all get better. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. And I love you guys. Bye. Namaste. Bye. Bye.